Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is your new Comics Wednesday episode for August 4th, 2021. And I'm still recovering from my crazy trip out to Terrificon. Uh, there is a Terrificon Spotlight episode out today. So I encourage everybody to go over and listen to that. I recap the whole show, my whole nightmare travel, both getting out there and coming back and Rocky from Comic Boom joins me and asks some questions. And as he said at the end, um, if you if you were to make this story into a movie, people wouldn't believe it. They would say, no, that's too many coincidences. It, that, like that many things can't go wrong in a row. Um, it's not believable, but uh, believe it. It happened. Um, I didn't I didn't need to exaggerate anything because the story was you know unbelievable on its own. Um, but I do want to. Um, express my support and thanks for everybody who donated and bid on auction items for young Titus. We still have some items to go that need to be auctioned off. I just, I honestly haven't had time, you know, um, didn't get home till extremely late on Monday night and only got a couple hours of sleep and then had to be up early for work and then worked all day at the day job, trying to get caught up with that. And, um, yeah, now I'm dealing with trying to get a refund for the portions of the flight that I didn't use. And uh, I was trying to track down something that I left behind in the rental car. So um, I just, I haven't had a lot of time to rest or uh, start working on the logistics of getting things shipped out to the people that won stuff and get the other items up onto uh, Twitter. But hopefully by the end of the week, I'll be more caught up. And uh, I'll be able to read some more comics. I still haven't read the DC stuff for this week. Not, not a single book. And uh, I did not receive the Marvel books this week for some reason. But that's okay. I wouldn't have that much time to read them anyway. But I did read a couple of independent titles. And that's what I'm going to talk about here. So it's going to be a relatively short episode, especially compared to the last few we did. We're covering like 18 books or, or whatnot. Uh, I've got five books that I'm going to talk about today. Just real briefly, spoiler free, because uh, I really need to get to bed. So uh, the first one is Commanders in Crisis number 11. This is the penultimate issue. Uh, it's written by Steve Orlando, creator, uh, co-creator and artist David, uh, David Tinto. We've got a V. Ken Marion on a uh, cover B, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Francesca Caratanudo, can't even talk, I'm so tired, uh, is the color artist David Gigi Cacci, listed as editor, uh, Fabio. Fabio Amelia is the letter, and uh, this one's called The Action of Desperation, and we saw last issue that the cosmic sepsis had reached the reality Z Earth, the, the last Earth, if you will, in this crazy multiverse that uh, Steve Orlando has uh, created here, and the, the Crisis Command are, are battling the extinction uh, group that wants to destroy everything. And, you know, are they going to be able to stop them? Are they going to be able to save earth? They, they kept things, they kept secrets that they probably shouldn't have. And all this extinction society wants to do is, you know, end all of reality and, and what happens to reality when the last earth is destroyed. So uh, ultimately it's action-packed from cover to cover. I don't quite know how it's going to resolve, which is good that I'm still trying to figure that out. But 
what is interesting is for all his love of bombastic over the top comics at the end of the day, it feels like the way this all gets resolved from Steve Orlando is, is with teamwork and, you know, heart and uh, emotion and caring about each other and having empathy and putting the needs of the many above the needs of the few, um, you know, being altruistic, thinking about somebody else before you think about yourself, like all those kind of ideas that I, I think are the best of what makes us human. Um, and it kind of, you know, as I'm, as I'm talking about that, it kind of makes me think back to this last weekend again, not to plug my own show, but go listen to the podcast. It's a great story. Scott Patterson from Gilmore girls got, got involved. He heard about the auction and he got involved. He wanted to do something to help uh, Titus. He wasn't obligated. I didn't go over and ask him, Hey, can you donate something? He heard about it. And he, he immediately was like, what can we do? We need to, we need to band together and we need to help out this little boy. Uh, and, and that's sort of what the idea of, um, of the resolution may be for, uh, for the crisis command. So I think this story, when it's all said and done, it's going to be a great fun read that celebrates comics and celebrates kind of the, the craziness that can be comics, the, the big summer blockbuster events. Um, but what happens from there, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And I don't know. I don't know if, if Steve Orlando has anything else planned for this, um, for the series in terms of, there are tons of characters and tons of concepts that we got introduced to in, in the series along the way. And I wouldn't be opposed to, to reading some stories about some of those characters. That might be uh, a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, I don't hear a lot of people talking about commanders in crisis still, but I, I think it's definitely worth your time. So check it out if you are so inclined. Uh, next book is Stillwater from Chip Zadarsky and co-creator and artist Ramon K. Perez. Mike, Sp Mike Spicer is on colors. Russ Wooten is on letters. Two issues ago, we saw that Galen, the young boy that we met in the very first issue of, uh, of Stillwater, had, uh, had, taken, had taken Daniel to this, this treehouse area. Um, and, and basically all the kids, the young kids, much like Galen had sort of banded together. I mean, if anybody's not going to like a life of immortality, it's going to be somebody at that age, right? Um, a lot of us at that age feel like you can't wait to grow up. I mean, I certainly felt that way. It, it's like, you're capable of sort of more advanced reasoning and logic and, and whatnot, but your body is not mature enough to really do the things that you that you want to do, whether it's in terms of strength or coordination or whatever it might be. Now, multiply that times 10, right? Because the one thing that still happens in Stillwater, despite nobody aging, is that you still gain knowledge. You still gain experience. You, you mature in your personality and, and in your intelligence, but your body is still staying as a, you know, a 12, 13, 14 year old of I mean, it's got to be just horrible because again, you, you're wanting to have more. And so it makes sense that the, uh, the children of that, 
of, of that age, around that age in town of Stillwater would, would build this sort of network of tree. It, it looks really like kind of the Ewok village, honestly, you know, where there's these giant old growth trees and way up high, there's uh, huts built around the, the trees with walkways in between and guardrails and whatnot. And uh, it's really, really cool. But again, it was two issues ago. And then last issue focused on the sheriff and, and her origin. We didn't get any of this. So um, Daniel gets the spiel from Galen and they, he kind of explains what they want to do. Uh, meanwhile, back in the town, there's, there's some arguments about what to do going forward. Um, you know, we, we saw the judge got jacked up pretty bad at the, the town meeting when the, the courthouse was, um, was sabotaged, was bombed and exploded. And there's still the chaos of that has yet to be all resolved. Everything is still sort of up in the air, if you will. So the judge is, is still calling the shots, but Ted, who, you know, has taken it upon himself to, to become the, the sheriff and, and has the old sheriff tied up, he's still taking orders from the judge, but, but it seems like not only, only for a short period of time, perhaps, you know, he, he doesn't seem like he wants to listen to what the judge says. I mean, right, right from the start, he seemed like a very, um, I don't want to say anti-authority figure, but he's just not very bright. You know, he thinks he knows better. He's quick to anger and he's just, he's just not very smart. He thinks he knows better. There's an arrogance about him and he thinks he knows better. Um, but I don't know. He has no reason. He's never shown me anything to make me think that he should feel that way. It's almost just like out of anger. I, I don't, I don't really understand it. He's, he's an interesting character in that, you kind of wonder like, where does this hubris that he has come from? Because he certainly hasn't shown anything other than um, I have a gun. So listen to me. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting. So he, that's one dynamic. The judge is another dynamic. And then Ted's um, Marine unit who recently came to town is another um, dynamic. So all these different factions and I honestly don't know what's going to happen, but uh, again, in a, in a very, very good way. And, and what is this, this group, if there's any strong group that's united because, you know, Ted and his Marine unit and the judge, they're all supposed to be on the same side. And most of the people, the townspeople follow their lead, but, you know, you see the cracks and the fractures as they're trying to hold this thing together. And, and honestly, when you stop to think about it and they clearly don't, uh, if there's anything you can say about humans, it's that we're unpredictable. Right. So the fact that they've kept a lid on this, this secret that the town of Stillwater has for this long is pretty admirable. We, it's, a, it's a big accomplishment, but you can't have thought it would last indefinitely. There's just no way. Um, it, it just, in the words of uh, Jeff Goldblum's character in um, Jurassic Park, life finds a way, right? Like they're going to, freedom is going, going to happen. The secret's going to get out. It's just, the way of the universe. So this is another title that's, that's really spectacular shows Chip Zdarsky's understanding of kind of human nature, because at the end of the day, that is sort of what this, this book is about the different aspects of human nature, um, you know, kind of lust for power and control 
versus uh, a yearning to be something more that the kids exhibit and, uh, you know, a, a sense of self-determination. Like, I don't want to be trapped in this town. I want to do what I want to do. I want to have freedom and independence to make my own choices and not be told what to do. So it's uh, fascinating. Really good book. Highly, highly recommended. Uh, okay, next book I'm going to talk about is The Me You Love in the Dark. It's from the exact creative team that brought us Middle West. So the story is by Scotty Young, who most people will know from his cover work over at Marvel. Uh, the art is by Jorge Corona. Colors are by Jean-Francois Billot. Letters by Nate Picos of Blambot. We've got uh, 3D models of the, the house. There's a haunted house in the story by David Stoll. So basically, this is a story of uh, a young girl who has become a famous artist, but she used to be a barista. And all of a sudden, she has this newfound fame. And with that comes pressure. You know, pressure to create the next great painting, pressure to continue to, to produce art. Um, but apparently, she's struggling. And so she goes to a quiet town and uh, she wants to find a place to paint and she ends up buying this house, even knowing that supposedly it's haunted. She kind of wants that, right? Like she wants um, something to inspire her. And the idea of living in a haunted house apparently is, is inspiring to her. Um, but what she comes to find is a little more scary than maybe she realized because maybe it was more the idea of the haunted house that was inspiring her rather than uh, actually being inspired by the fact the house truly is haunted. Um, so it's, there's not a whole lot to the story. It's paced pretty quickly. Like we fly through time. Um, you know, she moves in and then it's, it's weeks later and then it's months later, um, which just gives us a sense of uh, real, real movement in terms of her life is kind of spiraling, you know, like before she knows that the days have piled up and she hasn't been able to produce any new work. And uh, does the house feed on that? Like how, how does that, how does that uh, affect her dynamic with the house? Which it, it's unclear. Is it a ghost that lives in the house? Is, is it a house, the house itself that's sentient? Um, but it's, it's fantastic. There was always a, a little sort of note, I'd say of horror in Middle West, you know, it was a little scary at times. It, it helped raise the, raise the stakes. It certainly was a harrowing story. Um, and, you know, the art perfectly suited the narrative. And now we're just leaning a little more into the idea of, of horror when you, talk about, uh, when you talk about this book and you talk about the art that um, Jorge Corona is bringing. So, yeah, definitely recommend this one uh, as well. Great, great book. And glad to see this creative team sticking together and giving us uh, another, another project. Uh, okay. Up next is um, The Good Asian. And this is issue four. And this is actually the first new issue for me um, since I think February was when we had uh, Pornsack Pichichot on. Pornsack is the writer. Uh, Alexander uh, Tefegni is the artist. Lee Luffridge does the colors. Jeff Powell does letters and design. And uh, before I had uh, Pornsack come on the show, he was nice enough to send me the first three issues, which was great. I got to read a big chunk of story and it was, it was 
awesome and good, but I've waited all this time to finally have a new issue. Um, but again, you know, first world problems. Uh, and I love that there's a rundown of the cast of characters and a, kind of a little recap. It's 1936 talks about the Chinese exclusion act and all that sort of thing. Um, and the narrative of the story is definitely picking up in terms of pacing and the clues are starting to come together. And the, the main character, Edison Hark, he's, he's starting to put it together. And uh, what I particularly love about this issue is there's some great interactions between Edison and his, uh, his adopted brother. Um, and I, th I think that that provides a lot of insight into the character of Edison in terms of, you know, his makeup, like what kind of person he is, uh, as well as um, kind of the, the role that his relationship with his brother has played in his life, his, his adopted brother, um, Frankie Caraway. So this was a fantastic issue. Um, I, I really feel like that this particular issue, this series has taken a step forward and maybe again, it's just because I, I read the first other three so long ago and, and kind of in my mind, um, kind of lumped them all together as one long book, uh, even though each week as the, they came out, the issues came out, I reread them for that week. Um, but this one, I just feel like it raises the stakes big time, uh, both for Edison Hark in the story, as well as for us, the readers, we we're feeling more of a sense of, whoa, Edison's really kind of neck deep in it here and, and what's going to happen and is it all going to work out? Uh, and then as far as the art, like, you know, it's been so fantastic throughout the entire series by Alexander Tefendi. Um, and, and it's the same here. Like on the first page, for example, we have 16 panels, like a 16 panel page. That, that's impressive. Um, and it's just that sense of noir and that sense of color from Lee Luffridge that takes really simple line work and elevates it. A lot of emotion, a lot of emotion in the art in this particular issue. So really looking forward to, uh, to seeing what happens next in uh, the good Asian. Uh, all right. On to my last book. This is actually my book of the week. It's Geiger number five uh, from Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. They're mad ghost studios. Got Brad Anderson on colors, Rob Lee on letters and this book continues to be really uh, fantastic and extremely fast-paced. Um, I did appreciate that in this particular issue, there was sort of a recap right at the beginning. So if you haven't been reading any Geiger, um, you probably can find issues. They, there's been a lot of printings of the particular issues, I think five printings of, of, uh, of number one. So you should be able to find them in your shop. But even if you can't, there's um, a one-page recap, basically. And we flash all the way back to the beginning where, you know, as the story starts out, it's one person basically telling the story of Geiger to another person far in the future. Um, and so he kind of explains how everything is, is going down. And then we meet the, the group that apparently is trying to put the world back together. What's left of the government, I suppose you'd say it is. And he... Uh, or they rather, uh, we saw them at the end of the last issue, take the, the, the kids that Geiger was protecting into custody and get their hands on the nuclear football and kind of leave Geiger um, to his own devices in terms of, um, you know, fighting against uh, 
the uh, the guards or, or the the militia of this group, and uh, eventually Geiger's overpowered. Unfortunately, uh, kind of snuck up on, overpowered, and that's where this issue picks up. So this one's pretty pretty action packed. Like I said, we do learn a lot about the government and or what's left of the government and what they're trying to do. We learn that Geiger doesn't really care about authority. He, he definitely, especially after having lost his family, we saw a few issues ago, uh, realizing that he lost his family, he doesn't really have anything. So it definitely seems like he's fixating on these kids. These kids are, are becoming his reason for, for continuing to live. Right. And so um, the, the sense of tension and drama and emotion is, is ratcheted up in this issue. Another degree um, especially with that great recap page that, that I think the, the choice of vocabulary that Jeff Johns uses to describe, you know, it's one person sitting around a campfire telling the story to a second person. And so you, there can't help but be like a little bias. Um, and there should be in the storytelling. This isn't, you know, a dry document uh, where it's just, you know, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. This is a human who's recounting a story in his own belief system and his own um, sort of ideals and values are going to influence, you know, context of the story for him. And he may stress different things as opposed to what somebody else telling the story would. So uh, that comes through very, very well in the dialogue that is uh, provided as far as the artwork, I mean, it's Gary Frank. It's, it's amazing. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, nobody draws, nobody draws this sort of action and this sort of human interaction better than uh, Gary Frank. And then don't sleep on Brad Anderson's colors either because, you know, this is a book about radioactivity and a, a guy who basically has to have uh, like specialized iron rods or whatever. They're not made out of iron, but whatever, um, some sort of super heavy metal He's got to have those stuck into his body or he turns in, into a, a glow stick <laughs> to use the term of the guy that's telling a story around the campfire. So Brad Anderson really gets to shine um, and show that glowing green so many times throughout each issue. So Geiger continues to impress absolutely fantastic book, highest possible recommendation. And uh, that's why it's my book of the week with the caveat that I haven't really read that many books um, this week, but uh, take with that what you will. So let me give a rundown on some other books that you may want to be on the lookout for. We've got Out of Body, number three, from Aftershock Comics. Bad Idea has The Lot, number two, and Tankers, number three, coming out this week. Over at Boom Studios, there is a second printing of Basilisk, number two, from Cullen Bunn. And we also have Basilisk, number three, hitting stands this week. Magic, number five, that's the Magic the gathering comic from boom studios. We also have the next issue of seven secrets, which is number 11 and the next issue of wind from James Tynan, which is number nine uh, over at DC. And again, Rocky talked about these. I had a little context to add here or there on yesterday's episode, uh, DC spotlight episode. We didn't talk about American vampire, 1976, number 10 of 10, which brings that entire property to a close but I do want to talk about it at some point. I just need to read. I think I need to at least read the entirety of American Vampire before I talk about the series finale of it. Um, so that's why I haven't gotten to that. Uh, Batman number 111, 
uh, is also out this week. Crime Syndicate, number six of six. Crush and Lobo, number three of eight. DC Horror Presents The Conjuring, The Lover, number three of five. We also have the fifth issue of Green Lantern. Uh, Joker Presents a Puzzle Box, number one of seven. That's a digital series by Matthew Rosenberg. That's really fantastic. And it's finally getting its uh, enough of the digital episodes have come out that or issues, whatever you want to call them, that they can be collected into um, one of seven uh, print books for that story. Uh, Justice League number 66 from Brian Michael Bendis. We've got Nice House on the Lake number three of 12 from James Tynan, which I think was uh, Rocky's favorite this week from DC. Uh, Suicide Squad number six is also out. Suicide Squad Get Joker number one of three with art by Alex Maleev. That's a black label book written by uh, Brian Azzarello where something super crazy happens. And again, go listen to the spotlight. I think it's the first or third book that we talked about yesterday. There's something really spectacular that happens in it, in my opinion. So if you want to know what it is, go check it out. Uh, Lastly, I'll mention Swamp Thing number six of 10 from the DC stable. Um, Moving on to some other titles that you might want to be on the lookout for at Image. In addition to the books I already mentioned, we've got Firepower by Kirkman and Somney. That's up to issue number 14. Emma Kubert and Rusty Glad's Inkblot is up to number 11, which I I can't believe there's that many issues of that book out already. Seems like we just read the first one. Uh, Seven to Eternity, number 17, with that awesome Jerome Apina art. Uh, The Skybound Weekly series is up to, uh, Skybound X, I should say, uh, is up to number five. Um, There's a ton of uh, new printings for Stray Dogs. That has been a massive hit for uh, DC as well as uh, Tris Fortner and Tony, uh, Tony Fleek. So congratulations to them for um, the continued success of Stray Dogs. There's also Walking Dead Deluxe number 20 from Kirkman. Colorized versions of the same stories you've already read, uh, and Kirkman gets to make more money. So anyway, uh, over at Marvel, we've got Avengers number 47. We've got... Deadpool Black and White, number one of four, uh, or it's actually it's it's Deadpool Black, White, and Blood, which I think I want to say that was the same title given to Wolverine. Wasn't the Wolverine limited color Black, White, and Blood also? So anyway, I think I think there's too many of these limited palette books. They need the, the they need to put it to rest for a little while. Just don't do them for a while and let people you know want them new generation of readers or you know let let it be missed basically is what i'm saying uh there's also the next extreme carnage one shot this time it stars lasher we've got guardians of the galaxy annual number one we've got hellions number 14 immortal hulk is on the next to last issue with number 49 there's a miles morales marvel tales book which reprints uh the early appearances of miles Shang-Chi number one gets a second print and also a second issue gets a second print. And those are out today. Silk number five of five finishes off that miniseries. Sinister War number two of four. That's trying to wrap up some of Nick Spencer's plots in The Amazing Spider-Man. We've got a new Spirit of Vengeance Spirit Rider number one from the supernatural corner of the Marvel Universe. Star Wars Bounty Hunters number 15, continuing that saga of Boba Fett trying to retrieve hand, uh, retrieve hand's body and, and jokingly in, during the first review of that book uh, I think it was the the prelude um, you know I made a, a comment on that story being basically train scenes and novel 
planes, trains, and automobiles with Boba Fett. Um, and then after having my own planes, trains, and automobiles, um, real life adventure, I guess you'd say, uh, all of a sudden I feel even more sympathetic towards Boba Fett. Uh, anyways, there's another part of that story in Star Wars, War of the Bounty Hunters, Forlome and Zuckus, number one, which focuses on those bounty hunters. Trials of Ultraman, number five of five is out. There's a second printing of Venom, number 35, which is the 20th anniversary. We've got Web of Spider-Man, number three of five. There is uh, an, a couple of different Wolverine Omnibi, as well as a... Uh, what is that? Black and white treasury edition, black, white, and blood treasury edition rather. So that's what I was saying earlier about the Deadpool book, you know, black, white, and blood, or you already have books called that. Just put the name of the character in front of it. doesn't make any sense. So they need to go away for a little while, I think. Uh, anyway, last book from Marvel is X-Men number two. And this is the, the Jerry Dugan version. Now that Hickman has taken himself on off the main title. Uh, there is a new Horizon Zero Dawn Liberation uh, series hitting stands. It's issue number one based on the Horizon Dawn video series. So if you're a fan of the series, you may want to check that out. And that's it. That's all I'm going to mention. Um, so, uh, again, this is a bit of a shorter episode. And uh, there's tons of great books out this week. I haven't had a chance to read any of the Marvel stuff or the DC stuff, but uh, still, there are some some great books uh, and, and definitely pick up Geiger. So I want to thank everybody for listening as always, and we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.